Welcome to The Chosen Business Owner, where Michelle Real will be interviewing entrepreneurs, franchisers, and more to learn how to build the perfect business. Michelle is an entrepreneur who has over 25 years of business experience. She is excited to build a community with other driven entrepreneurs and business owners. Michelle's hope is that this podcast will inspire you to continue pressing forward on your business journey as a chosen business owner. Hi, and welcome to the Chosen Business Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Real, and today I'm going to be um, talking with Jason Cromley. He is the CEO and co-founder of Hidden Creek Landscaping, and they're based out of Ohio. And so welcome to the podcast, Jason. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today, Michelle. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to talk with you today just about landscaping in general and how you got started in your entrepreneurial journey with um, Hidden Creek and so yeah, if you wanted to start out by sharing a little bit about your background and how long you've owned Hidden Creek Landscaping and kind of where your journey's taken you. Absolutely. So it's 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 a fun story. I love telling it because I'm still proud of it today. Uh, and I'm very fortunate in the fact that I love my job. So to tell the story about it is is a fun, easy thing for me to kind of tackle. So I'll kind of take you to the very beginning um, and kind of walk you through to where we are today as quick as I can. Uh, it all started back in 1990, oh gosh, four, 95. I got my first job landscaping uh, for a local company. I'd already been taking care of lawns myself in my neighborhood, but I got my first landscaping job and really got a taste of it. And then when I went to um, Ohio State for college, I actually started architecture, but very quickly decided that I really wanted to use my hands and use shovels and dig in the dirt all day. So I switched to landscape architecture which is where I met my best friend um, still to this day. And I hit it off immediately. We decided to switch from landscape architecture to landscape horticulture so we could understand more of the actual plant locations, what the plants would do. Rather than just drawing, we really wanted to make sure we knew how to build it and install it. So after one year in school together, we decided to go ahead and start our business um, while we were still in school. So we started the business in 1998, June of 1998. So we are just days away from our 25 year anniversary currently. Uh, and just the two of us. So we bartended at night. We landscaped during the weekends and nights and we went to class during the day. And we kind of took it from just the two of us doing everything to growing 24 out of 25 years now in total sales and amount of staff. So we didn't really mean for it to be where it is today, but kind of just through our networking, our pride in how we work, how we take care of our employees, how important it is for us to make sure that our clients understand the value of what landscaping does to their house and how it just kind of makes them happy. Uh, it just kind of kept growing and growing and growing. So when you're kind of passionate about what you do for a living, I think our clients picked up on that, saw our passion, our enthusiasm, our excitement and just our willingness to go out there and get dirty. It's just been a very, very fun, I guess, evolution, if you will, to kind of see it go from where we started, just the two of us to almost 160 people this year. Wow. That's a very large team. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, and in today's market with staffing and hiring people, you know, it's a challenge, especially when, you know, our goal this year was to grow another 15%. Um, and if we hit that, that means we will have doubled in the last three years time. 
Wow, that's incredible. And so what do you what do you attribute that to? Like what is it that you're doing on a daily basis or on a monthly basis that's helping you hit those goals of 15% a year? Sure. So it's so I also love marketing, which I didn't realize I did when I got into landscaping, but it's the and I and I've given this lecture before, you know, at a different conference. I said, you know, it's okay to show off. And that show off piece is, you know, taking pride in the work that you do. So we've really been pretty strong in our social media and making sure that kind of the work that we do is seen because it sounds funny in the world of landscaping, when you do a big project in someone's backyard, nobody knows what you did. They just know you parked in front of their house for six months. You made a mess on the street. It was always loud. It was always dusty, but no one saw the true work that was being completed. So we really wanted to make sure we pushed what we were doing, social media, pictures, reels, um, we hire professional photographers to get out. We do drone videos so that people always know what it is that Hidden Creek is doing. And I've been in Columbus my entire life. Um, I've actually never lived more than, I think, seven miles from the hospital I was born. So this is kind of my network, um, my people. Um, as my wife calls me, a big-time extrovert. So you can throw me into any setting and I'm going to make a friend and try to find a way to sell them something if I can. So I've really been able to push a lot of the, the business through friends, businesses, networking. I sit on quite a few different boards as well, too, just to make sure that I'm kind of always putting myself out there um, to talk about the company, get an opportunity to interview, do any type of thing I can to kind of talk about not just Hidden Creek, but actually about what we really represent, um, our company represents, our industry represents. I care as much about the industry as I do about my own company in terms of what landscapers really give back to, uh, you know, what what we look like. Uh, when COVID first happened, you know, three years ago, now if you can believe it, um, there was talk of whether or not landscapers were considered, um, oh, I just drew a blank on what the word was, um, a necessity or uh, essential. Thank you. And it was so funny. They're like, well, we're not sure. We have to think about it. I'm like, you guys go right ahead. You let us know when the grass is two feet tall, the plants are dead, the weeds are out of control, irrigation isn't turned on, flowers aren't doing anything. You let us know how long you think you can make it to consider if we're essential. Because um, of course I kept working. I wasn't waiting for anyone to tell me I was essential at that point. I was pretty pretty sure how I felt about myself and my company. Um, so you know, by staying networking, by pushing the company, that's really pushed, helped our name but I'd say one of the biggest things that we did, Michelle, was we kind of took the the mindset of really outthinking our clients, outthinking our competition, and designing things that no one had really thought of in our area. So Columbus is a Midwest town, um, you know, right in in the heart of Ohio. And as advanced as I think we really are compared to a Chicago, a California, an Arizona, a Connecticut, they've been pushing the limits on design for you know, a decade ahead of us. So we tried to make sure we try to stay in line with what they're doing. So by us being forward thinkers, we were ahead of most of our competition. Um, I always want to say I work for the Joneses. So every job I do, they're trying to keep up with whatever we've done. So as much as, you know, they say a, a, a copycat is a compliment, I want to make sure we try to do things that no one else can really do. The bigger the challenge, obviously, the greater the reward has kind of always been my mindset. That, that's a good mindset to have for sure. Yeah. 
So do you guys do landscape maintenance then as well? Do you go back in and maintain that, that property once you've installed the landscaping? Yeah, that's probably one of the things that is really at the heart and soul of what we really are going after, which is not the maintenance, not the design, it's actually the relationship. So, you know, in today's world, you know, with everyone who travels and busy and working, they really don't want to have to call five different people to handle someone to handle the design, someone to build it, someone to maintain it, someone to take care of the trees. So we are your your one-stop shop, if you will. Um, we want to make sure they call us and, and we're here for them. So we have specialties in each of those things. Uh, we focus on high-end residential. Uh, that was, again, a, a very difficult challenge to take on because high-end residential comes with high-end expectations. So when you have high expectations, again, you are forced to become better. You are forced to learn how to communicate uh, at an extreme. Uh, I actually had my whole team read the book, Excellence Wins, which is uh, written by Horst Schultz, who was actually behind the Ritz-Carlton and the success it had going from two hotels to, you know, 80. Everyone knows Ritz-Carlton. And if you could afford to stay there, everybody would. There's an expectation. There's a service level. Um, they'll, they'll do anything they can for their guests who are coming in. And we want to try to give the same thing to our clients. We'll, we'll take care of you. And so how do you, what is your main thing that you do to keep in contact with those clients? So you've come to my home, let's say you install my landscaping. Um, you do a phenomenal job. I'm thrilled with it. And then you leave after six months of being in my yard. And then what, what's kind of your process for keeping in contact with, with me? So the goal, if we could, so if I were to walk you through a, call it a, a typical half million dollar project we might have where someone wants a pool and a patio and maybe an outdoor fire pit. Well, we would start with the design piece of it, which, you know, we have landscape architects on staff um, and our landscape designers are supporting the sales staff. So we have sales staff who are directly related to selling the project, designers who actually help with the design, the construction documents, the vision, if you will. And then there's also a project manager assigned to it getting built. So we start with the design so we can go in to build the entire thing. As we get three quarters of the way through the project, we'll then bring in the maintenance account manager who will then take it over to say, we're going to be done in a month. Let's talk about how often you should water. Let's talk about how often we should mow your pruning schedule. Do you like flowers? We can handle your flowers next season. Do you want your driveway shoveled in the wintertime? You know, what is the the fair budget? Again, when someone spends a half million dollars, it's going to need to be maintained the next year. Can you imagine if you never had to sweep your carpet? Wouldn't that be glorious? <laughs> it, it just doesn't work that way. So we want to make sure that really people are protecting their investment. A half a million dollars can look like 250000 a year later if you never touch it again and let it just go wild. So the key thing is, is teaching our clients about the budget expectations, not just the the before, the during, it's especially the after. Um, in an ideal world, I worked with my clients for 10, 15, 20 years. Till they sell the home, probably. Till they sell the home and build a new one. I get to, get to do it over for them in the new location. And I hopefully transition to taking care of the current clients because they bought a property that looks immaculate. And they have a company that's referred by the current homeowner to say, these guys are like our family. Right. And then you had mentioned earlier that 
the neighbors are seeing you there. They're seeing the mess in the street. They're seeing all of that. And you want to build relationships with them as well. You want to let them know you want to, we'll actually show them the finished product, show them what you've done. Do you mainly rely on um, print advertising to them then, or are you doing social media advertising to them, like trying to target them or how, how are you getting to the neighbors then around there? It's so it's funny. We don't really, what I would say directly go after the neighbors, right? Um, one of my goals is always to try to build up, I guess, the anticipation or the excitement about what we just did. So I'm not the door knocker uh, kind of guy. I want the clients are working for to push us to the neighbors, right? So I want the job we just finished for them to say, you've got to come see the backyard. You've got to come see what they did. This was amazing, right? Mm -hmm. They've seen our truck for six months. Curiosity is just building this entire time. Like, yeah. I just got to see what happened. And you can tease them through social media, which is great, but they really want to hear from the homeowners, was it a good experience? It could be beautiful, but if we told them it takes six months and it took 12 months, it's not a great experience for them. Beautiful or not, they're not happy. So we really want our clients to try to push our name. And we've been very fortunate through that. Uh, we do push our social media um, and we still get probably... 30% of our leads still come through our website directly. And we use, you know, SEO campaigns to try to make sure we're at the top. Um, we have, I think, almost 400 reviews um, right now currently on our website, which sounds funny, doesn't seem like much. But if you go out and Google 100 landscaping firms, see if they have 400 reviews. There are billion-dollar companies that we have four times the reviews they have. Um, because I've actually incentivized my entire team to get reviews. So if their name is mentioned, they get a $25 gift card every month, every time their name is mentioned in a review. Mm -hmm. So they hand their clients a card. Here's the three names of the people on my crew. If you give us a review, I get $25 at the next meeting. I spend about two to $3,000 per month in gift cards. Hey, but that probably yields you a lot more than that. Oh, and what it yields for the team to get mentioned in a company meeting to hear their name read um, and get a gift card to actually where they requested a gift card to be to, um, that means something to them and to the homeowner. You know, they don't have to they don't have to tip the guys that do anything. They're like, well, I just gave you twenty five dollars and I didn't have to do anything. Right. Yeah. I might have a review where they'll mention ten names, and I have to give them all twenty five dollars. So every name that's mentioned, you give every name that's mentioned. That's awesome. I haven't got my name mentioned yet, so no one's got me a gift card. But, you know, one of these days, <laughs> I play my cards right. That's awesome. So that brings me to the book and to your team. As I think about 160 people on your team, that's a lot of people to keep happy, to keep connected, to keep, you know, focused on, you know, your vision and all of that. What are some of the things that you could tell people that are building a team that have been critical for you and building your team to 160 people? Um, it's it's hard every day. Um, you know, there's times, you know, dealing with people in general. Uh, this is not a manufacturing plant where you walk in, hit the start button, and at the end of this conveyor belt, you have a product. You know, this is dealing with people and then dealing with mother nature and the climate and everything else. So I'd say one of the things that was probably the most critical for us in our success was again, back in March of 2020, we had kind of hit a ceiling. We were growing, but it was small. We were frustrated. 
you know, there were days I you know, just want to throw my hands up in the air. Like I can't do this anymore. And I'm not a quitter. Um, so I was, you know, we had to find something and we stumbled upon something called EOS, which stands for entrepreneurial operating system. Um, it's actually pretty common. Tons and tons of companies use this. And what it was, was really trying to reset who we were. So we had to reestablish what our core values were and what our core focus was. And the best way to reestablish your core values is to look at your best people who work for you and say, if I could copy and paste that employee, we'd have success every day. And so you look at your best people and you start to write the things that really help define who you are. And we came up with four core values, which was dare to be different, lead with intent, driven to grow, and my favorite, make someone smile. So those were the things that we said, if we use those to hire people, if we use those to promote people, if we use those to have to fire people, right? Those are the core values that we say we want to represent us. And it's not a marketing tool. You know, those things aren't on our, you know, website. You know, we don't use them in Instagram or we don't use them in those types of things because those are personal to who we are, right? And so that was the key component, you know, and even like what our core focus was, which was to be extraordinary. Right. And that's the word I can say no matter what. Like if you're having a bad day or you think you're ready to leave the job site, just look back real quick before you get in the truck and say, was it extraordinary? And I bet you nine times out of 10, people get back out of the truck and be like, I could have done something more. So the EOS campaign that happened in 2020 took us, and again, it was during the world of COVID, meetings was difficult, but we really pushed through. And ever since establishing that, it really gives us clarity in all of our meetings that we have with weekly meetings with what are called rocks, which are your quarterly goals you have to go after, um, different types of meetings, scorecards. So it really kind of helped bring focus to a company that in the world of landscaping, it's just fun to shoot from the hip. And it kind of took all that away and said, let's aim small so you miss small. So you said you were small in 2020. What was small to you? Uh, we were about 12 million. Okay. But how many employees? Uh, we probably only had a um, hundred at the time. So you've grown also, three years. Yeah. And we also did an acquisition of a pool company at the very end of 2020. So he was a friend of mine. He builds custom concrete pools and he's been kind of wanting to get out for years and just kind of joked and joked and joked with me. So finally I said, okay, let's do it. So we ended up making an acquisition of his company, which he was only around 3 million at the time. And he still stayed on board. He's still on board to this day. I hope to keep him on for as long as I possibly can. He's just a wealth of knowledge um, in that industry. And to be honest, we probably could have done it without buying somebody, but it would have taken me five years to figure out how to do it the right way. And the cost that I could have done something wrong and you know ruin the reputation. So. He had an amazing reputation. He's an excellent salesperson, excellent builder, excellent at service. Just everything he did is really somebody that I look up to. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And now we've been able to take his business and double his business while adding a new line item to our service and while picking up all the service he does on pools as well too, which gives us even more exposure to more clients. And so what do you what what do you do for team building and stuff? I think I had saw that on your LinkedIn that you just did a team building thing or a something. I don't something like yeah. that. Do you do 
here. We, so we do four quarter. So because of the EOS model, we have quarterly meetings, um, which isn't just like at a leadership level, it's the entire company is involved. Uh, and we discuss where we were, where we are, and where we're going. Those are always the three topics at each one of those quarters. So we do those mostly after a quarter finishes. So our next quarter will finish in June. And then so in July, we'll bring everybody in here for about a two and a half hour meeting. And we discuss our normal monthly meeting, which is birthdays, anniversaries, reviews, core value winners, um, all the gifts we, we give away at that time. And then we go to a quarterly meeting where we discuss financials, human resources, fleet, safety, operations, design, marketing. So that's about two and a half hours. We'll send everybody back to work for about four to five hours. And then we have a company picnic for the entire company and their families. Bounce houses, dunk tanks, golf carts, food for everybody, ice cream truck, food trucks, cornhole, um, and we bring everybody back. So for me, when someone works for me, I know how much they're sacrificing away from their own family. So I'm the guy that wants to meet their family, you know, meet the husband, meet the wife, hold the baby if they let me, because I still love babies because mine are 19 and 16. So, you know, that's really important to us. In the fall, we do paintballing. Um, in the wintertime, we'll do our Christmas party. And then we take everybody, you know, we rent out a couple spaces. So, and you can imagine the expense of 160 people for five hours who aren't producing anything. Um, it's very expensive to the bottom line. And we have a very large Hispanic workforce as well, too. So we have translators at every single meeting. Um, we have drafts that they can have so they understand what's being said. And we make sure that everybody's hearing the same message, the core values, the core focus, and then what we're doing to make sure our customer service is at an all-time high. And so when you talked about, and I and I love the party idea, and I, I love that you do it quarterly. When you talk about you're sharing with them the vision and where you guys are headed, are you sharing financial goals as well? Are you sharing all of that? Like we all hit X, X amount and we're going for this and we're headed for that? Yeah, they see what the they see what the budget is. They see where we are today. They see where we are the same time last year. So the entire company sees exactly what's going on. Um, it's part of being transparent. So you know, right now we're behind where we should be, right? And you kind of see it as you look out across the you know the eyes and the stairs um, in the room. Like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, I can tell you, if I panic, they'll panic. So. We, we don't panic. We say, don't worry, we have a plan. We didn't just look at this yesterday. We've known this is going to be happening and this is how we're going to work around it. So, you know, you the only way you get people to really jump on board with you is if they know the whole story. Now, there's some people that will just jump into a boat and start rowing no matter what, but I want people to jump in a boat and say, which direction are we going to go? I'll give you my best, but I don't want to be going forward and this guy's going backwards. So, yeah. Get everybody on. And what, is key. Yeah. I love that. And when you um, talk about you have a plan, right? So when I think about marketing, do you have like a set amount percentage that you've just said, this is how much we're spending yearly. And if we're behind, we're going to add this to it. Is it, you know, I mean, it's probably not all based on marketing, but a marketing is a big part of it. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I'm still, I guess a little bit of a control freak. So I still kind of work through the budget with my accounting team. So I'm still determining every 
dollar that's getting spent in most places. Uh, and a lot of it's based off of history. Um, you know, I'm the guy that when sales are down, a lot of people love to come in and cut marketing. I'm like, well, no, that's, you have to go double. You have to do more. So I push really hard for marketing. Um, it's, you know, we're, we're, again, we're a pretty good sized company, obviously with that many people, but for decades, or for a decade, people have been saying, man, I see you guys everywhere. You're everywhere. We're really not. We were half, less than half the size. We were only about a $3 million company 10 years ago. And, but because all of our trucks looked the same, because our image was the same, because we all had everybody in uniform and because we don't smoke and we have a no tobacco policy. Those are the things that made us look like a huge company when really we were small. So the David and the Goliath, if you will, in this industry, there are monster companies in our area that we have to compete against. So we have to make sure we look just as big as they are, but perform better than they are. Have you thought about um, expanding outside of your area or you're, you're just going to keep growing right there where you're at? Yes and yes. So I would like to still expand out of my area, um, but only to prove to myself that we've created processes and systems that are repeatable. That is a, to me, a, a, a goal of mine that I would go and prove that we were able to standardize extraordinary results time and time again. So that's why I would love a new area. You know, being in Columbus, Ohio, I don't want to go north. I would love to go a little south, but for me, I'd love to go someplace I'd like to live. So give me Nashville, Tennessee, you know, give me the coast down in, you know, the Carolinas. Um, that would be fun for me or bring me out to Colorado. Would love to be out there. And it's not something that, you know, is a failure if we don't go after it. There's so much potential in Columbus, Ohio, that we don't feel it's necessary to do it. It's more of saying if we can get systems and processes in place, success would be being able to have multiple locations in an area where you don't have to be there every day. Right. I mean, every parent's goal would be if I leave for a month, would my kids still be the same or what would my house look like? Right. Would they keep going to school? Would they keep doing their stuff? Yeah. Would there be any food left? Would they still handle themselves? I mean, I know what I was like as a kid. There weren't systems or processes that I wanted to adhere to. Right. So, you know, you have employees who are constantly against a process because a process is rigid and it means they know if they're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. So you try to create the processes that they can buy into to say, we're here to keep you safe, present great quality and be efficient at all times. And if you can get on board with that, you'll have success. Well, and in Ohio, you guys have, you have weather in the winter like we do here in Colorado. Um, sounds like from what we discussed before we talked that you're, you get a little bit less snow than we do. Um, but do you have um, different things or different ways that you go after business in those, what people would call those off seasons or um, the slower, I don't even like to say slower season, just really more the, the, you know, I don't even know what you'd say more end of an off season. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely a downturn in business for us. You know, we're very seat. We have all four seasons here and they're, they're wonderful. I love all of them. I love when they come and I love when they go at each season, which is great. So, you know, the winter time will hit. We used a program called H2B, which is where we're able to bring in temporary work. Um, they're, they're given, they're granted a temporary work visa. Uh, so they mostly come in from April till December. We've been getting our workers in from Mexico. It's a government run program. It's absolutely phenomenal if it works. Um, 
It doesn't work sometimes because it's so regulated and it's so difficult to be a part of, and there's so many requests for it. We requested 38 workers um, this year. We get the same workers every year. So they've been coming to us for six years now, and we only got eight of our 38. So that definitely kind of sets you back. So you have to go to kind of go to the streets to find people to fill those roles, which we just did. Um, but you're starting over. You know, there's nothing better than a returning worker. So you kind of start over. But it does give us opportunity to kind of, again, adapt more to what's going on. The current job market is a challenge. If we're able to hire that many people, we're doing something right. If we're able to retain, you know, a high percentage of that, that also says we're doing something right. But, you know, when it, the difficult thing about it is when it does come to our downturn, now we have a lot of employees we might have to let go temporarily for the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Where that program was great because they were here April till December, which is we're slamming April till December. So it does give you a little bit of a challenge of what you do in the winter time. But the beauty of our business is we still build pools in the winter. We still build patios, pergolas. So we keep our people busy. If it does snow, we've got plenty of snow. So I think we went from about 150 last year down to about 90 to 95 in the winter time. And we're back to 130 now. And we still will keep adding here for the next two months. And then all of a sudden you'll start to chip back away again. And do you do, but do you do anything special in the winter for your customers or something to attract more customers or something different? We do a seasonal color and like planters and things like that. But to be honest, we go as hard as we possibly can. Um, mostly March 1st till Christmas break. So our guys, a lot of in the field will average 50 hours for the year. So there's weeks they're pulling off 60 hours so that they can get it down to an average of 50. So there's a part of everyone that kind of says, I'm okay taking a little bit of time off. We close our doors December 23rd. So, and then we don't open back up again until the second. And that's every employee's paid during that time. We shut our doors and we say, go home, be with your families. Um, took them years to convince me to do that because it wasn't in my mindset because I still come to the office during that time. Um, but you know, it's one of those things that was great. You know, like it's, it's been a challenge for me as we've grown through these years. Cause when you grow every year, you're a new company every year. So you're not doing the same thing over and over again. So I'm always having to learn to adapt. And so I've really had to hire people from outside of industry, from bigger companies to convince a small minded guy like me about the HR world that's out there and the benefits world that's out there. And it takes me a little bit of time sometimes because I can get stuck in what I call the landscapers mentality of, you know, we're going to do this, this, and this, because it's rigid. And this is the way I was brought into it. And this is the way my dad did it, his grandfather, you know, and so on. So we're having to adapt to today's uh, American work culture. So my last question to you, um, and you sound very similar to us. I mean, all of that, right? Every year you just, you're adapting to something new and then new laws that come in place or here in Colorado, we've had a lot of new laws that have, um, you know, come in place for, you know, business owners and for, you know, benefiting employees and employers, you know, that kind of thing. So keeping up with the HR stuff is always fun. Um, you know, figuring out what you got to do. Um, but what I was curious about was somebody that's looking to maybe start a landscape company or get into a service-based business, like in the outdoors, you know, landscaping trees, 
snow removal, you know, whatever it might be, gutters, anything, you know, mosquito. Um, when you look at the industry that you picked, you know, you love it. So probably no regrets. Um, but what, what would you say to somebody that's looking for something in, you know, the outdoors like this, you know, landscaping trees? You know, we, we have an advantage because not many homeowners want to do it. Right. Right. So you already have the upper hand. Mm. Right. And the only thing they're looking for, though, is someone who's going to be honestly bring in honesty and integrity and not be taken advantage of because because they're at a disadvantage because they don't want to climb a tree. Right. They're they're terrified to go up a tree or they don't want to mow because they could hurt themselves or or even where to buy a mower or how to put gas into it. And that's going to get worse and worse as we kind of look at today's American society, if you will. Right. Homo, you know, homeowners, while they're still building homes like crazy, there's still people who are living in more apartments than ever and condos. So I'd say the thing that's the most important is really is coming in with one. You really do have to love it. I did not pick landscaping. Landscaping 100% picked me. And that's super cliche. And I love it. And I'm proud to say it because I didn't know that I would ever love doing this when I was 10 or 12 years old. I mowed grass to have gas money. Didn't think I was going to do that. Even when I was doing it, I never thought that was my career path. Um, and when I did figure out that I was more excited to go outside and, and dig and, and talk to clients than I was to go to class. That's when I kind of knew that this was my, was really going to be my path, but I didn't give up on my education. I did stay and get my degree because I knew I was going to need more than just muscle power. I needed to have the brain power behind it. And I would say a lot of entrepreneurs do miss that part. Um, it's quite a few books about it. Uh, the number one book is the e-myth where it talks about so many business owners get stuck in being a doer, you know, versus a, you know, uh, a planner, I guess, if you will. And that really happens to so many business owners. They just do the work every day, never leave the field to come to the office. And so they get stuck down there. Eventually, just like you want your clients to trust you, you have to eventually trust your staff. And you have to try to lead your staff and trust your staff and give them the benefit of the doubt because they'll never do it the way you do it. And you have to be patient and consistent at all times with the message you give to your clients and the message you give to your employees. So I would say being honest is huge um, and being patient is huge and really have the have the inner drive because when it they knock you down, you, you got to know, doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, it really is, you just get up more than you've been knocked down. And I mean, I still get knocked down on a weekly. So I keep getting back up because I can't imagine this not being part of my life. Right. Well, and I love that you touch on the being, you know, being honest and integritous and, and just really giving good service. Right. I mean, we hear that a lot. I mean, where people will call and say, I have called five different tree companies and you're the first one and the only one that's called me back. Yeah. And I, how is that even possible? Like, you know, that, that can't truly be possible or, you know, or even just in other areas. I mean, I even know for ourselves when we look at things to be done on our home and you call and you call and you call and you're like, do they just not need the business? Like nobody's calling back. Yeah. <laughs> we can't find a painter or we can't find a, you know, whatever it is. Uh, uh, right now we're looking to get some, the, um, some tile done around one of the windows in one of our bathrooms and trying to find a tiler 
is just someone that can tile. We we've called numerous places and we just it it's unbelievable. Yeah. And it doesn't we, exist. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, and that goes kind of go back. I mean, the hardest thing we have is is the size we are, we could we could double again in another three years because the the desire from the clients is there, right? Mm-hmm. There's the work, there's the money that's willing to pay for it. What I don't have is I need 10 new trucks. Well, I can't get 10 new trucks right now. It takes a year to get them. And I order a piece of equipment and it takes a year to get it. And I need to get the staff, but I don't even have the equipment to go do it. Oh, and I have to charge so much to do that tile job. Someone might charge you $1,000 to do that tile job because they don't want to do it. Right. And they give you the price that says, I don't want to do this and I'm going to take advantage of you. And not because I'm taking advantage of you, but because I've got other bigger jobs that I really should be going to do, but I know that I don't have enough employees to do it. So the owners are out there doing the tile jobs. And so it's unfortunately the whole construction industry really is understaffed, um, undereducated. We're forcing people into jobs they're not ready for just so we can get it done to keep up with the client demand that's out there. And so quality is, is not what it used to be. Uh, I'm taking my whole family over to Italy in two weeks and, you know, I'm, I always crack up. I'm like, we can go see the Coliseum that's been there for thousands of years and you can still sit in it today. But, you know, I can't build my guys sometimes struggle to build a retaining wall that's two feet tall and 100 feet long. And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened to us? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, it really is trying to get back to if you can retain people, that is really a true testament to success in today's um economy and business retention. You want to retain your clients so that they always trust you and you're loyal to you and you want to retain your employees so you don't have to spend all your time retraining, redoing. That's very costly. Right. Well, and I do think that there's going to always be a need for what you're doing, what we're doing, um, because like you said, people don't know how to do it. They don't know how to go out and put a patio down or trim the tree or you know, that kind of a thing, or they don't want to do it. They might know how to do it. They might just not have the time to do it, yeah. you know, the ability or, you know, the physical ability to, to do it, you know, um, you run oh, into situations. We have it all the time. We've had clients say, well, what if I, what if I take off work and I, and I stay home and I help you? And these are people that make, you know, six figures a year. I'm like, I'll, I'll pay you 15 bucks an hour. Right. You're like, but you know, I make a hundred bucks an hour. I'm like, have you ever dug a hole before? You're, you're a terrible employee. You'll be my worst employee on this job site. I said, why don't you go back to work, make as much as you possibly can, and we'll get it done for you right. We can add on all the things you still want to do. Exactly. Okay. I'll do that. Yeah. (laughs) And come home and have it all cleaned up and pretty. And um, you were only here to enjoy it. So exactly. Well, I have really enjoyed speaking with you and talking with you today. Um, do you have anything you want to share, like where you guys are headed or any, you know, big projects or things coming down the pike that people might want to know about? You know, I'd say the biggest thing is keep an eye on us on the world of Instagram. We've got about 10 huge projects that we'll be taking professional photos of here in the next two months. So if you kind of want to see what we're doing in the the great Midwest here, Columbus, Ohio, we're going to try to wow some people with the work that we've been doing. So Keep an eye on us. We we've got a ways to go still. And where can people find you at? What 
what are those? Uh, like right on Instagram, you can go right to Hidden Creek Landscaping. Um, we're going to be on Facebook as well, too. Uh, we're definitely going to be on, you know, not the world of TikTok yet, but I'm, I'm going to try to avoid that as long as I possibly can. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I've really enjoyed talking with you, Jason, and um, I, I hope, you know, we'll get to talk again in the future. Look forward to it. Thanks so much for taking the time for me today. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you everyone for watching. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us today. Michelle's hope is that this podcast inspires you to continue to press forward on your business journey as a chosen business owner. If you enjoyed the ideas shared here, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Please share this episode with anyone you think will also find value here. You can find short video clips of the best moments from the episode at chosenbusinessowner.com and on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Keep pressing on, chosen business owners.